0: Welcome to Happy Trails, the podcast for trail riders, Episode 12, Traveling with Horses Full-Time. I'm your host, Jess. I travel with my horses full-time, trail riding everywhere we go. I've mentioned my lifestyle on the podcast a couple times. I've received lots of questions and requests to talk more about my lifestyle. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about what it's like to be homeless but not houseless and I'll be interviewing other full-timers like myself so that they can share their unique perspective with you as well. So let me start at the beginning with how this lifestyle came to be. A few years ago, I was living in New Jersey, operating an organic farm that I had started from scratch on leased land. I spent five years working my tail off to build up a successful business. I was primarily focused on pastured meat production. My specialty was heritage breed hogs. I was breeding and raising these animals completely on pasture moving them around the farm, utilizing electric fencing so that they always had fresh grass and forage. My operation was on the larger end of the small-scale niche farming market that I was in. I was maintaining a little over a hundred head between my breeders and those being raised for market. As you can imagine, this was an immense amount of work. I had a few dedicated people who were helping me part-time. But the majority of the physical work and mental stress was still on my shoulders alone. I couldn't find anyone willing to come on full-time and take over a managerial position. My body eventually began breaking down physically. I started having very severe tendon issues. At one point, it was so bad that I couldn't even grip a door handle without excruciating pain. I saw a doctor, and he basically told me that if I couldn't stop using my affected arm, I might end up causing permanent damage. I had a ton of animals that I had to take care of daily, So I tried cutting back my duties to the bare minimum that I could to get by. Around this same time, the nonprofit organization that owned the land I was leasing dissolved the farming program that I was involved in and evicted the other farmers. This and a few other issues with the organization put a bad taste in my mouth, and it made it obvious that I really had no security on this land that was so vital to operating my business. Unfortunately, I had just moved my entire farm to this property one year prior. And the experience had been so taxing that I wanted nothing to do with moving again, not to mention how difficult it is to find affordable land in New Jersey. So my partner Byron and I discussed our options. Although it broke my heart to close my business, I ultimately decided that was best for my physical health and my mental well-being. Since we didn't own the land, we were now open to moving anywhere we wanted to. We're rock climbers. And in that community, it's very common for people to live in their car or their van and travel around to their favorite climbing destinations while living on the cheap. We already owned a 28-foot travel trailer, which we had lived in temporarily on the farm. We decided that instead of a tiny van, we could just haul the travel trailer around to wherever we wanted to live. I owned only one horse at the time, Mackenzie, who I had inherited from my mother when she passed away in 2013. I told Byron that as long as we could figure out a way to take Mackenzie with us everywhere we went and that she could handle the travel, I would be willing to give it a shot. So I started doing research into how and where to camp with your horse. We used Google to create a custom map where we could pin rock climbing destinations that we wanted to visit and places where we could camp with the horse so that we could see where these two activities might overlap. And that was how we planned out our first year. We left New Jersey at the end of June of 2018 and headed north to Rumney, New Hampshire. It's a well-known international rock climbing destination, and there happened to be a horse camp just 15 minutes away from the climbing area. It was super stressful for the first few months leading up to our actual departure from New Jersey. I was liquidating my farm business, selling and finding homes for animals, selling or giving away all of my equipment and assets, and downsizing all of our personal possessions. Like I said, we had this travel trailer that we were going to live in, and we also had a two-horse trailer for Mackenzie, but only one truck. So once we had everything pretty much packed and ready to go, we hooked up the travel trailer and drove it to our destination, Bucking Horse Campground, in Groton, New Hampshire. It was quite the adventure. We ended up needing gas in Troy, New York, and the only gas station we could get to before we ended up on tiny back roads in the country was just big enough for us to pull in and fill up But then in order to get back on the road, we couldn't pull all the way through the gas station. We had to back up and turn the trailer onto a side street in order to pull back out on the main road. Luckily, I had tons of experience with backing trailers from my livestock days, but it was still a little bit nerve-wracking since this was our house this time, and it was so much longer than anything I was used to previously. We've since learned that truck stops are your friend, and we stop to fill up on gas way before it's actually necessary and always carry at least five gallons of spare gas. Since we were traveling on a 90-degree summer day, we were blasting the air conditioning, and the trip that's supposed to take six hours ended up turning into nine. Our truck Betty finally decided she'd had enough, only two miles away from the camp. The transmission started overheating as we were climbing a hill. Luckily, we were on a dirt back road with very little traffic, so we pulled over, put the flashers on and the emergency brake, and gave it about 15 minutes to cool down. We rolled into the campground a little while later, and the owner Dave showed us to what would be our spot for the next two months. He helped us back into our spot and then hooked up to the electric water and sewer connections. We spent the night and then returned to New Jersey early the next day. We got Mackenzie loaded into her trailer and left the farm for the last time. We were tired from all the driving we had already done, and in the heat I didn't want to push her to make the entire trip in one shot. So we stopped at my friend Meg's farm in upstate New York. She fed us and we spent the night and then hit the road early in the morning. It was such a great feeling when we rolled into camp with Mackenzie. We lived at Buck and Horse for two months that summer. We were the only full-time residents, but other campers would come with their horses on the weekends. We had so much fun getting to know everybody and going on group trail rides, having potluck dinners and movie night. Everybody there became like our second family. We even took them rock climbing with us once or twice. It took a while to really settle into our lifestyle. At first it just seemed like a vacation, and I was so habituated to my work as a farmer that I couldn't sleep past 5.30 in the morning and I didn't know what to do with myself if I wasn't working. Byron, on the other hand, was able to keep his full-time job that he had in New Jersey. So while he was occupied working his regular nine to five, I would take Mackenzie out on the trails by myself. We would follow logging roads and game trails all over the mountain, following moose tracks in the mud, stopping for a drink and a graze at a pond dammed up by beavers, and riding to a gorge and swimming hole. That summer was a lot of fun. When it was over, we returned to New Jersey where I boarded Mackenzie at a friend's barn while we took a climbing trip with friends. The real adventure began when we returned and made the move to Arizona. Again, we had to move our house and the horse with just one truck. So we moved the travel trailer first, while Mackenzie stayed in New Jersey. We pushed hard to get there, driving 12 or more hours each day. We parked and slept in Walmart parking lots, and got to our destination, Hay Creek Ranch in Oracle, Arizona, in just three days. We dropped the trailer off, spent the night, and turned around the next morning to head back. When we got back to New Jersey, we spent a couple days decompressing from all the driving. I got all of Mackenzie's stuff organized and packed into the trailer and then we said our last goodbyes to family and friends. We mapped out our route to follow the Appalachian Mountains south. It was the end of October, so it was starting to get kind of chilly. We naively thought that as long as we went straight south and then turned west, we would be pretty warm and comfortable. Unfortunately, that was not the case. It ended up raining and being below freezing quite a few nights on our way to Arizona. I was doing all of the driving because Byron didn't have the experience driving a horse trailer at that time. Actually, even now, I do most of the driving with the horses. I very rarely ask for help. I'm a little bit of a control freak that way, and I just prefer to drive them myself. So between that and the fact that Mackenzie had been injured while she was being boarded, and she had an injury to her stifle, I decided that limiting our travel to four or five hours a day was all I wanted to do. We traveled almost every day, only occasionally spending more than one night in a destination, and it took us almost two weeks to make it all the way from New Jersey to Arizona. We stopped at a friend's farm in Virginia the first night. We spent Halloween dispersed camping near Canebrake Horse Camp in North Carolina, then a horse motel in South Carolina, then a horse camp in Alabama called Warden Station, where Mackenzie got to see mules pulling wagons for the first time, then stopped at Gum Springs Horse Camp in Louisiana. From there, we visited another friend, a Cleveland Bay breeder who lives in the Fort Worth area. Mackenzie got to hang out with her horses, and she invited me to ride her purebred Cleveland Bay mare. Texas is a gigantic state, and it takes so long to drive across. After leaving Fort Worth, we spent one night at the West Texas Horse Center, and then a couple nights in El Paso. Crossing the border into Arizona was so exciting. We got settled in at Hay Creek pretty easily. Mackenzie seemed very happy to not be in the trailer every day and to be around other horses again. We spent a little over four months living at Hay Creek that winter. We met lots of other horse people from the US and Canada who were there snowbirding for the winter. Everyone was very friendly and we really enjoyed socializing and riding with them too. Spring came around and it started getting hot. So we took off on our grand adventure of the West. In our first calendar year of living full-time on the road, we ended up camping in 35 different destinations in the eight states. That's a lot of packing, unpacking, and driving. Our loop brought us up through Utah and Colorado to South Dakota where we spent a few weeks riding and climbing in Custer. We spent the majority of the summer in Wyoming, from Sundance to Ten Sleep to Jackson. Then we traveled into Idaho and finally crossed into California. We slowly worked our way south along the eastern Sierra Nevada mountains. My friend Sandy invited us to spend the winter with her in Southern California, so that was our final destination for the year. We made a similar loop the following year, going north into the mountains for the summer and south to the warmth in the winter. We learned a lot in that first year of traveling. We figured out what we really need and don't need to live comfortably, how to set ourselves up to function off-grid, and the role that altitude plays in weather. We found our groove and became efficient when setting up and breaking down camp. We also became more self-sufficient by learning how to do minor repairs on our vehicles. Most importantly, we learned to relax and go with the flow. When we started boondocking, which is the term for camping without amenities, we became a lot more comfortable with the unknown. We had never previously been to our boondocking spots. I found them by scouring maps. When looking for a place to camp in a national forest, I would scope out the roads on satellite as best as I could. And then we would just pack up and go. Sometimes the roads to get there were too rough or too narrow and we'd have to abandon it. So we'd move on to the next potential spot. I made the mistake a few times of not having a very good Plan B set up. One time it took us two whole days of driving around mountain roads before we found a place to camp. Things like that can be frustrating, but we've learned to roll with the punches and just move on. I always say that this life isn't for everybody. It takes a special type of personality to become comfortable with this kind of uncertainty. We feel that the benefits highly outweigh the negatives. So we're going to keep living this way until it's not fun anymore there's a small community of full-timers with horses like us.
1: One of those is Michelle
0: and her daughter Scout.
1: We are originally from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I am a retired firefighter. I retired early so we could take this journey. And Scout just turned 12 yesterday. She was 10 when we started. Uh, She's always been homeschooled. And For a variety of reasons, it was time for us to change our our life, and we needed to live outside the box of social norms. So we sold all our possessions, and we sold our farm. We had a small farm, and we purchased our rig that we travel in, which is a a Ford F-550, a truck camper which sits on the bed, a large one with slides, and we tow a horse trailer. And we have three horses— And we have two dogs that travel with us. We have a Percheron Quarter Horse Mare, which is Scout's horse. And she's almost 19. I've had her since she was two days old. She's a Nurse Mare Foal. We have uh, Arab Paint, which is my horse named Joker, who was originally Scout's horse. And then we traded, and he's 15. And we have an Appy Mare named Hedawoodie, who's 30. And uh, she was a rescued brood mare, and we took her along because when we started our journey, we had three horses. And so she basically is living out her retirement uh, by following us at liberty on trails, and occasionally packs when we need her to, and can be ridden when we have uh, extra person around. So we have two trail dogs: one walks the trail, and one rides in the saddle. That's really great. So, how did you discover
0: the idea of? living full-time with horses? Um, I guess
1: through Facebook, I knew it existed.
0: Did you do a lot of planning beforehand? Like, how long did it take you to get to the point of leaving your home in Massachusetts?
1: What I did for about 18 months was scour all the Facebook pages I could, um, all the horse camping Facebook pages, all the boondocking Facebook pages, not necessarily horse ones, but just people there's also people who live full-time without horses so we scour their pages also and anytime I saw a place we want to ride or a trailhead we could camp at or a campground we might want to go to or any kind of point of interest I pinned it on my google map so I we did that for over a year so by the time we left I didn't really have we and we still don't Travel with a plan of destination. We just travel where the weather seems good, or some circumstance wants to send us in one direction, or we get an invitation to go somewhere. And then I just look at my Google Map, and I have all these pins now to help me know where to stop along the way. Uh, then we, you know, looked for all the pieces and parts, and bought the new truck, and the new camper, and the new horse trailer. The horse trailer. I think, we actually only got less than a month before we left. Then we put our home on the market, and as soon as it sold, we just hit the road.
0: Scout, what do you enjoy most about this lifestyle? Uh,
2: I guess my favorite thing would be being able to live with the horses and being able to just look out my window and see
0: them. Do you find yourself missing having other kids around, or do you guys end up places where you can be with people your own age, or are you mostly around adults all the time?
2: Well, actually, right now we are with some kids, but sometimes, yeah, we do find it quite hard just because I, I get along with older people than people my age or younger. So, so yeah, it's, it's hard sometimes, but it's getting it's getting easier, and we just met up with some people who are, who have kids. And we're riding with them.
0: Are there any particular challenges that you face as a mother, being responsible for both a child and then all of these animals? There must be a ton of pressure on you, moving around all the time.
1: Well, it it is harder to to shoulder all the responsibility of uh, scout the animals and then also the rig and keeping everything working and monitoring it. So one of the ways that we try to keep stress and anxiety down is the way that we travel without plans. So if we don't have a deadline that we're supposed to meet or a place we have to be, then it's really easy to decide, well, we're just not going to move today. Or sometimes things break and then it's not a big deal that we're stranded somewhere because we don't really have anywhere we have to be. And then we'll just explore where we are. So by by living that kind of carefree lifestyle. It makes the stress easier or it makes the stress not necessarily be there because we know we wherever we are is where we can be and we don't have pressure to leave. And Scout is getting bigger and older and more capable. So she really pitches in now, um, and can do the same things adults can do in a lot of ways to help out when we first started. I may have had to done a lot of tasks and chores all by myself. And now she's capable of sharing that with me. And so that also makes it easier.
0: Yeah, I imagine it does. And I also get the impression from what I've seen through your social media that she's a very mature child and... I'm sure really helps you in the situations that you're in shouldering the workload and dividing duties, but also as companionship for each other. Does that make sense? Am I correct in assuming that?
1: You're 100% correct. She is extremely mature and um, she is extremely capable, extremely intelligent. Uh, So you know, I need to make sure she still gets to be a kid and remind her some days, just go play. You don't have to, you know, do this or that. I'll take care of it. But yeah, she's very capable and she's a great travel companion. And we laugh every day very hard. And that's really wonderful.
0: Now, I also understand that she has struggled with anxiety. Can you tell me more about that or maybe turn it over to her if she'd like to speak about it?
1: Well, that's multifaceted. Um, Our lifestyle on Cape Cod was kind of surrounded by a core group of families. And it seems like when kids start to be like eight or nine years old, they change a lot. And Scout really suffered from kids just uh, moving away from her circle. And that hurt her really deeply. And then she had a riding accident um, that... She thankfully didn't physically get hurt, but went to the hospital and then because of pain, couldn't really get back on the horse for about a week. So uh, it was debilitating mentally for her. So that was really where the anxiety kicked in. And that was a really two-year struggle and constant battle for her to overcome that. And that, those things are really the main reason we sold everything and left because uh, life that we had at that point with her anxiety and depression was just getting worse and worse and worse and it wasn't getting better so it was a drastic change that I made for both of us that in order for us to be happy and feel fulfilled in our lives we needed to leave where we were and so within three weeks her depression was gone and now um, we're almost a year and a half into our journey and she doesn't have any anxiety anymore. She has normal fears that anyone would have over certain things, but she can push through them and there's nothing that debilitates her or makes her panicky anymore. And so it's been completely replaced with confidence and ability that far surpasses where she was before her riding accident. So it's been really good for both of us. That's wonderful.
0: Now you've also had adventures prior to this one you've traveled around the world with her when she was even younger can you tell me a little bit about that
1: we did we always have loved to travel and i think scout likes to talk a little bit about where we've gone but so for two years before we sold our property um, we were able to leave and travel around the world a bit because you know we had someone that could take care of the animals on the farm And uh, whether it was just because it was a bucket list and we found, you know, frugal ways to travel or I teach wilderness first aid and first responder classes and I might be traveling to do that and we would turn that into an adventure when the the class was over. And Scout loves to talk about where we've gone. So I'm going to turn that over to her. But that happened um, starting when she was six and lasted until we left on this journey.
2: Well, some of the places that we've been are Mongolia, Japan, Canada, Thailand, Fiji, New Zealand, France, Iceland, uh, Mexico, America, and
0: China. Wow, that's quite the list. That's really awesome. It's so wonderful that you're exposing your child to all of these incredible life experiences. I feel like you're setting her up to have... A really great outlook on life. Is there anything about your life that you feel the general public really misunderstands?
1: Probably. I think her type of homeschooling is referred to as unschooling. So everything she learns is experiential. We don't follow a curriculum. We um, learn every day based on what we're exposed to. And the travel is a big part of it especially when we traveled internationally it was about exposing her to different cultures different religions different ways people live Um, understanding that there's different beliefs and that there's not one that's right and to learn how to have empathy for other people and have an understanding from their point of view Uh, we would when we travel we don't go necessarily to the tourist spots we want to live like and with the locals and On our travel around the United States, it's the same thing. We try to avoid the congested touristy areas. We try to connect with locals. But as we ride, we can learn history. We can learn um, science. We love to do art. Uh, Scout has an art sale, an art auction she does frequently. Uh, We write books. Scout's first book um, is about to be available this month. It's at the publisher, and we got the final proof two days ago you know and part of her social media stuff was something we do together for her um, writing and you know everything's just for us and our world is opportunistic and whether people understand that or not um, doesn't really matter to us because that's what works best for us some people need more structure and we thrive without structure so whether it's the way we travel or the way we learn Uh, We have a passion for learning, a passion for travel, but we want it to happen organically, not being forced by any set of rules. And personally, I think, you know, school, a lot of people think she's missing out because she's not in a box, but uh, school is a very controlled environment where you're learning with kids your same age and same demographic and probably same socioeconomical status. And that's not good socialization. So she interacts with all ages, all different people of all different backgrounds, and she sees everyone for for who they are inside, not for what they are outside or what they have or where they live or what their popularity is. That's something she's not even exposed to. So it makes for a really wonderful person, a wonderful human being.
0: Can you give me an example of what a typical day in your lives would be like?
2: Well, we kind of have three different days. There's a travel day, a riding day, and a rest day. A typical travel day, we try not to go over 200 miles, really three, like 300 miles actually. So for our travel day, we'll try, we'll most likely have all of our things prepped the night before, and so we can get out. As early in the morning as possible, and we'll get our things into the truck and we'll load our horses up. We'll most likely already have our breakfast and we'll drive for the day and then we'll get to wherever we're stopping and then we'll stay there forever long. We're gonna stay there. Uh, Ride day uh, is sometimes we'll be parked at the trailhead, and for that, we get up in the morning. Do all of our morning stuff, and then we'll go outside. We'll get the horses tacked up. And then we'll go on whatever sort of ride we're going to go on. Or if we are not parked at the trailhead, we'll get up, have our breakfast, load the horses. The trail will most likely already be hooked up. And we'll go, and we'll trail her out to wherever we're going. And we'll basically just do the same thing. For a rest day... If we're in a place where we feel that the horses are safe and can be left by themselves, we might go out and explore, maybe go on a hike, uh, go to a museum, or go biking somewhere. If we we can't leave them, if they're somewhere where we don't feel comfortable leaving them by themselves, we might do some art, um... do some camper maintenance maybe just hang around camp we, if we're somewhere we can swim we might do that so that's it's that's what our days look like
0: is there anything about traveling in this lifestyle that you don't like
2: your home can break at any moment and that is pretty worrisome to me and i that's i think that's one of the big parts that i just don't like because it's it's really nerve
0: wracking. Do you have any advice for people who would like to emulate what you're doing and take up the traveling lifestyle themselves?
2: I guess the best advice I could give is I've been asked I asked this I got asked this once and and it's this lifestyle for us with no plans isn't for everybody. You kind of have to find what your rhythm r- rhythm or groove I should
1: say is. I agree with what she said and I think people shouldn't try to emulate others they should follow their own path and when you first start you start within your comfort zone when we first started our comfort zone was to use horse motels as layovers and to stay in places that had horse corrals and we did stay in campgrounds and that becomes expensive but that's what we needed to do to feel safe when we first started before we had taken care of this big rig and everything down pat and also at that time scout wasn't capable of doing as many things as she is now now we boondock almost exclusively or we stay on a property that someone has invited us to when they want to visit us. We never use horse motels or campgrounds anymore because we can't afford it. It's too expensive to live this lifestyle and pay for that. And we enjoy being by ourselves and primitive camping, dry camping, boondocking. So our advice is do what's comfortable for you and don't try to emulate others. Just gather. Advice from people and put together a plan that suits you personally.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. I started out the same way. We were only staying at horse campgrounds and we didn't have our solar set up. We didn't have the whole black water, gray water, you know, dealing with plumbing and sewage all figured out. So When we did first start boondocking, we could only stay in one place for seven to 10 days before all of our storage systems filled up and we needed to move to go dump it. And now, after over a year of boondocking exclusively, we've figured all that stuff out and we've got our systems down so that we can stay in one place for months at a time or indefinitely, you know, basically the same as you until the weather forces us to move again. So, your rig has solar and composting toilet. Is that correct? Do you have any other interesting ways of dealing with daily life?
1: Yes, we do have both of those things. And I guess the only comment I'd like to make about solar is people should really educate themselves uh, through some great solar pages, because it's really the quality and quantity of batteries that make your solar work not your panels and I'll just sort of leave it at that the way I like to describe it is you know the panels are like the hose that brings your water and your batteries are your buckets that collect your water so if you don't have good batteries all that water just spills onto the ground and is useless so we have really good batteries Here on the East Coast, with this grim weather and bad sun, we've actually had to use our generator for the first time. We spent all winter out west in this more like the desert last year, and we never had to use our generator. We do have one because it came with the rig, so it's a backup. It's a propane generator. The composting toilet I did right away, that's key for not having to deal with black water. And our black water tank was almost never used, so it was easy to really clean that out. And if we need to, we can add, fill that with water and can use it as extra horse water. But we we try not to carry haul water for the horses because it's so heavy. So instead, we like to camp places where there's a natural water source for them of some sort. Uh, I guess another really key component for us that was a game changer, because we have three horses, if we want to just do a boondocking layover for the night and then just get up the next day and go again, if there's no pens, it's time consuming to set up our electric fence, you know, to set it up and then take it down first thing in the morning. So we got the high ties that flip up. So each horse has like a third same diameter space and that was a game changer so it's really easy to pull in somewhere flip those up it's way better than tying them to the trailer because they can lie down and you know move around and it literally takes seconds to set that up for each horse uh, so that that we didn't have in the beginning was kind of pricey but once we added that that made boondocking much easier on long term we would set up electric fence but just for one night we like to use that we have the extra stall which I think is typical for using as a utility room for your extra stuff and I think that I would never want to not have the covered hay pod so we can keep hay up there not worry about the weather And uh, I would never want to live this life without the covered hay pod for sure.
0: Those are all really good points. I started out in New Jersey and made my way west by going down the Appalachians and then across the south. And it was typical eastern weather with rain all the time. And it was just a nightmare trying to keep my hay from going bad. So, yeah, hay pod is, is very useful.
1: Last summer, we stayed on federal lands public lands and boondocked and basically were able to graze the horses and we had the same 10 bales of hay in our hay pod almost all summer because we never had to use it so and it was you know just like keeping it in a barn it was great once we needed it again
0: michelle and scout thank you so much for talking with me today i think that our discussion is really gonna help people understand what you're doing and why you're doing it i wish you guys safe travels Would you please tell me the name of your book and where people will be able to purchase it?
2: It is called A Magical Friendship Journey, and uh, the website is www.amagicalfriendshipjourney.com.
0: All right, great. Well, enjoy your ride today, and happy trails. Thank you. Thanks so much to Michelle and Scout for speaking with me. I hope to meet them on the trails one day. You can find out more by following their social media, Scout's Trail. If you're curious about my life and travels, you can read up on my blog, rideclimb.com, or follow me on Facebook and Instagram at rideclimb. I'm always happy to answer questions, so if you're curious about something that I haven't addressed yet, send me an email, jess at rideclimb.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy trails! The Happy Trails podcast was created and produced by me, Jessica Isbrecht. The show's music was written and performed by Jason Shaw.